Welcome. It is nine minutes after the hour. If you just joined us, well, that means you weren't listening to the first hour, and that means you owe us money because uh, Brian has a $25 per hour uh, it's, surcharge. It's uh, 50 now. It's 50 now. Yeah, I that increased just cover, it. That just covers his vape juice, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if you just joined us, uh, Chuck Basie, state representative, is on board with us here on Gary and Guns. Uh, and then uh, Garson is on board from Grafts. Dale Roberts, CPOA. Uh, and if you just joined us, you missed a great piece by John Lott uh, and lots of other great information. But we do have a couple of firearms from uh, Grafts that we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes. Uh, and by the way, if uh, you go to our Facebook page, Gary on Guns, we have cameras in studio now. So you don't just hear the, about the uh, firearms or just see a still picture on uh, the Gary on Guns Facebook page. You can tune in and actually see them. Um, because we'll we'll put them in front of the cameras and you can examine them. Uh, but we'll get to those in a minute. Let's first go to the phones uh, because Steve has been hanging on for an inordinately long time and we ought to get him in. Steve, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. I missed the first hour, so I hope I'm not too deeply in debt. Well, just 50 uh, bucks, that's all. We'll get your credit card number and don't forget the three digits on the back of the card when <laughs> Brian gets <laughs> I hope I'm not going to be too long-winded, but <clears throat> I need—I might need some information. I—I'm operating on information I can't verify independently because Google and politically correct institution makes it hard to to research. But if mass shootings are defined as four or more victims in a single incident, I have read, and I think it's. It's pretty well researched, that, that what little I've found, that the majority of mass shootings in the United States occur in 2% of zip codes or less. Uh, if, that's, if that's true, if that is true, then why can't uh, pro-civil rights groups like gun owners accuse the media of accepting mass shootings? Because they do not cover, they do not cover these in the national news. All right, I know that a majority of the uh, gun deaths in the United States uh, are something like two percent of the counties, and inside those counties, most of those shootings are within a five or ten block area. But well, I hadn't right. heard well, maybe I hadn't heard anything about mass shootings. Uh, well, uh, but if, if mass shooting is defined as four or more victims, whether they're whether they are killed or wounded. Uh, it's it's just a number of, the number four that's important. Yeah, but it's all by one uh, you know it, it, one incident. You can't have right. uh, you know somebody robbed down the street and shot somebody up the street shot later on. I mean, it's got to be one particular. It's got to be during one incident. Yes, and that and that's what I I believe that very well may be uh, may be correct information is that mass shootings the majority occur. Maybe, as you say, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe it's in 2% of counties and not zip codes. But if, if that is true, then we can fairly accuse the media of accepting mass shootings because they refuse to cover them the same way they cover the horrific and more sensational like Las Vegas, which is horrible as it is. That that would be one incident. One incident in Philadelphia, maybe six victims. But the news media does not cover 
the Philadelphia victims, the six shootings. They prefer the sensational. So now, I think it's fair. It's fair to 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 accuse the media of accepting mass shootings. John, uh, uh, Brian, when will this be podcast? Monday, Monday, uh, Monday. You need to go to GaryNolan.com and listen to the first hour of the program. In fact, we open with John Lott, and he covers a lot of this territory. Uh, I think you'd be fascinated uh, to hear the results of uh, of those uh, studies that uh, he talks about. Uh, yeah, mon uh, uh, that's what time on Monday is that going to be broadcast? About twelve. About twelve thirty. It'll be up at GaryNolan.com. dot com. GaryNolan dot com. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will. I will be quiet. And uh, if somebody's got something to add on your on your show, uh, I would really be interested in hearing it. Well, I and think Steve, uh, I would also tell you in terms of finding reliable information, there's a web page, uh, a publication called Gun Facts all one word mm -hmm. g-u-n-f-a-c-t-s dot info and okay gunfacts.info um there are three or four hundred people in the u.s i'm sometimes i'm one of them that when they want to research something guy smith will send out an email to everybody and say does anybody have data on this and everybody it's crowdsourcing everybody does research and sends it in and their information is heavily footnoted from the Department of Justice and the Bureau of Justice Statistics and really cre uh, credible and, and uh, you know, sources that you can fact check. So anyway, gunfacts.info is just a great source. Okay, well, thank you very much. All right, Steve, thank you. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. All right, in uh, just a few minutes, we are going to start because there's a lever-action rifle in here, and you know how I love lever-action rifles. Uh, and it is from Graf's. We'll uh, show you that on uh, the Facebook page, the Gary on Guns, uh, and talk about it. That's coming up about four minutes from now. Gary on Guns, 93.9 Eagle. It is 20 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Chuck Basie is with us, the defender of the Second Amendment in our own state legislature. We've got also on board Garson from Graffs. Dale Roberts in from the CPOA. And uh, I hold in my hand a lever-action rifle from Graffs. The Venerable Marlin 336 right, in so a youth model. For people who are at uh, Facebook's uh, Gary Nolan, uh, Gary on Gun Show, uh, we'll, we'll put this up in front of the camera while Garson tells us what we're looking at here. So that, uh, that's their youth model in a 16 and a half inch barrel. Um, iron sights on it, of course. Uh, you can add scopes to them. A lot of people do nowadays, but, you know, hunting around here in Missouri, um, that gun will shoot at pretty much any distance you can take a deer at around here. And, and do you just fine. Um, the youth models are great uh, for smaller statured people, or if you, you know, don't like the cold and wear a good heavy hunting coat, um, the youth models are a little quicker to deploy, especially if you're hunting from a deer stand. So um, just a, you know, good all-around gun, um, easy to pack, easy to climb with. Um, it's already got sling loops on it, so uh, throw a sling on it and you're ready to go hunt. I love a lever-action rifle, and I, you know what I think it is, Chuck? I think it's because I grew up watching John Wayne movies. <laughs> that and and one the of the riflemen, yeah. and the riflemen. Well, actually, I didn't watch that. Brian told me about that. Show. <laughs> I was I was way too young. But <laughs> one of the first rifles I ever shot was uh, a Winchester thirty-eight forty that my father had, and since then I just love shooting them. They're not the most efficient rifle in the world in terms of. They're very they're, efficient rifles. Well, 
when it comes to speed, staying on target, watch number some, of rounds. Watch some cowboy action shooters. There's guys that can make these rifles sing as fast as some people can shoot an AR. As fast as some people can. And I know that there are some people who can devote enough uh, time and energy to to get that good. But for the average person, in fact, for 99.99% of the population, it's not quite as good or as efficient right, as a semi-auto. As an AR-15 or an AK-47 even. But I just love the rifles. I think they're fun to shoot. It's a classic. Yeah. And and suddenly my voice changes when I'm carrying one of these. <laughs> <laughs> Windage and elevation, Mrs. Langdon. All right. But, um, yeah, that, that whole opening scene of Lonesome Dove, uh, I love that. <laughs> uh, I like the size. Even though it's a youth model, it's a it's a easy-to-manage size. Yeah, it's a, it's a great size gun. And as you said, if you're wearing a parka or something... Yeah, could be handy. Uh, but they're just such great fun. Uh, how much, what's the price break on that? For you, it's $516. What about listeners? $516. Oh, no matter what, it's $516. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm sure we can give Gary some kind of break. I had a judge friend that wrote a book, his sort of biography, and he said, I sell the book for $30 unless I autograph it, and then it's $25. <laughs> uh, but... Alas, that's not the only firearm brought in from Graffs. No. And we do have more lever guns at the uh, at the shop. All right. Now, we were all playing. That's all right. I, we, we were. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. No, I got to show well, it to I people. Can, I can hold it from over here if you want. All right. So if you're at uh, Gary on Guns on Facebook, uh, you can see this uh, on camera. I'm holding it. And, uh, geez, you know what? I almost have to get back here to get it all in. <laughs> so while I'm doing this. Tell us what we're looking at here. So that's a Bagara B14 in 6.5 Creedmoor. Uh, it's basically a, a ready-to-go PRS rifle out of the box. Um, it's got their um, match tactical stock. So you can adjust the cheek weld uh, to fit the height of your scope. And then it's got spacers there in the stock. So you can adjust your length of pull. So, uh, you know, very customizable right out of the box. You have to go out and buy you know, a $500 McMillan stock or something to get your gun PRS ready. It's already it's already sitting in a chassis. Uh, the barrel's free-floated. Um, it's got sling pockets, front and rear. And it's got um, the sling loop studs as well. So if you're running bipods and extra accessories, you've already got mounting points for a lot of those things. Uh, rail's already installed. It's got a threaded barrel. So you throw the suppressor on it, you're ready to go there too. Um and then it's pillar bedded. Uh, there's an aluminum chassis actually inside that plastic stock, uh, so it's very, very sturdy and stable. One of the things that we noticed right away, and, and uh, actually I knew this was going to be uh, a, a great trigger uh, because Dale started <laughs> ooing the moment he pulled the trigger. Oh yes. Um, and Chuck, did you get a chance to? I did. To handle yeah. uh, that trigger is right there. I mean, right there. No. Uh, and and it's, it doesn't seem like it takes a lot of pressure at all. I mean, it's a pretty light trigger. Now, Bagara's been making gun parts for a number of years, and they've started doing full rifles or importing full rifles about five, six years ago, and they've really been knocking out of the park. Um, there, there was almost no learning curve. They were, they were right up there, um, you know, almost right off the bat, turning out a great rifle. 
So, uh, all right, so this really is a great rifle, and uh, it's at uh, $899. Is this, is this brand new? So it is a pre-owned rifle, um, but if you open the bolt and look at the bolt face, um, I don't know if it's, if it's actually been shot outside of the factory. Oh. <laughs> and uh, the guy who brought these in actually brought this one in and another model in 300 Win Mag. So the 300 Win Mag model is still sitting at the shop. Do I have any light in here that I can see? It looks really clean in there. Yeah, Bad I mean, the, the sticker's still on the barrel from the factory. Um, and so this is like getting a brand new rifle. Yeah. Because it looks like it has not been shot. And if it has been fired, it's been... Uh, yeah, MSRP on those is eleven fifty. Um, I think most people are selling them for around nine dollars $9 $1,000 or so. And I think we got that one for eight something. Eight ninety nine. Eight ninety nine. So, uh, and does this it comes with a boy? You even got the box for it. Yeah, uh, box for both rifles, um, and oh, they're magazine fed. So yeah, there's magazines available, and it's got that big wide uh, magazine release. You can hit that from either side. Yep. Or uh, just extend your trigger finger out, and pop the mag loose. It is a beautiful rifle, and it uh, it is. I boy, if Gwen's listening, <laughs> you know, sweetheart. I just want to make it easier for you when you go out shopping for me for well, Christmas gifts. Everyone needs a 6.5 Creedmoor now. Yeah, you never know when uh, you'll want to. Yeah, Gwen. And Halloween, Halloween is coming, so your Halloween gift. You know, I hadn't thought about that. Why? Because I'm not eating candy. Traditional, yeah. Just, you know, instead of a, a Heath bar. A, Absolutely. Your rifle. I'll take that. Uh, actually, uh well, did she get Dale you Dale seems to be pretty... Uh, did she get you your gift for Mexican Independence Day last month? You know she didn't. So the, the, she's already laid a holiday, so... Yeah, so, you know, combine the two and that'll cover the cost. There you go. Boy, am I glad I'm talking to you guys. You guys are really a great help. Uh, 874-9390, the toll-free number, 800-529-5572. Uh, if you've got questions about guns, uh, gun laws, you've got a question about... Um, uh, rifles, anything, any fire. We got the experts in here, and uh, we'll be glad to answer those calls. And Gary, you know, one thing about gun laws, Representative Basie has said, we, we and I've testified on some of these, we've had some really good bills before the legislature for several years now, and lobbyists and, and legislators tell me it takes several years from introduction to getting something actually passed. And the problem in Missouri now is that we have term limits so that by the time a legislature, a legislator, an individual gets, you know, learns how things happen and gets a bill uh, prepared for a couple of years, they're out. Their their time is up. This was something that I kind of brought up uh, earlier in the program, Chuck, and I thought that you and I would chat about this. I went to a, 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 a conference yesterday, if you will, and... Uh, People from the Kinder Institute and the Show Me Institute were talking about the state's constitution. And uh, we were talking about uh, one of the amendments to our constitution was to term limit politicians. And I've gone back and forth on this. Uh, on one hand, I think, you know, we already had term limits. Uh, and the term limits were determined by the constituency. Either I vote them out or I vote them back in. Uh, and that's a term limit. On the other hand, I thought, well, you know, these people stay in here for so long, they get beholden to some people, they get entrenched, it's easier for them to get reelected re because they've, 
They've got name recognition, harder for insurgents to gain any ground. Maybe we should limit them. Um, and then, you know, there is a downside to, to term limits. Uh, and, you know, somebody who's served out the, their limit, and maybe they're 30 years old, uh, you know, maybe 10, 20, 15, 20 years later, they decide maybe I should run again. They can't do it. It's a lifetime ban. That's right. Yeah, that's just the way it is in Missouri, unless you uh, want to go in the Senate or some other elective office. So, uh, But even know, that, I mean, you, you do two terms each and you're done in the Senate, for the rest right, of your life. Right. Yeah, that's correct. It's a limit of 16 years in the House or the Senate uh, combined. So, All right, so I want to kick that around a little bit because sure. there's a part of me that doesn't like the idea and part of me that does, and you're going to help me. Okay. Iron that out. And that'll be what we do next on Gary on Guns. It is 35 minutes after the hour. Gary on Guns, uh, violent crime. What's happened? What are, what are the rates? And can you trust the information that we got? We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, but uh, right now, uh, we've been uh, talking with Chuck Basie about uh, the... Uh, I'm sorry, about the... Uh, uh, term limits. Term limits <laughs> thing, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm multitasking here. Uh, anyway, uh, Garson is this from Bradsdale. Stopped completely. Yeah, yeah. It's a my age brain fart. Uh, anyway, and uh, Dale Robertson from the CPOA. I always thought, well, you know, term limits a good idea. And, and I'll tell you what I think happens here. I think that there are people that we see, especially in federal office, who make it a career. You know, people Furman. like yeah, or Ted Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, any of these people, and they get paid exorbitant amounts of money. They have incredible retirement benefits. And and then, and I get upset. I think, well, they should. This is this shouldn't be a career. So term limits seems like a good idea. But then I think, why should somebody be locked out of political office for the rest of their lives when they've just sure you know served a couple of terms? It it, it doesn't make sense. And you were telling us during the break, it takes a while to get up to speed. Oh, absolutely. My first term, it uh, it was more than halfway through the first term before I really understood what was going on. And, and I think everybody can say the same thing when you first go into the legislature, especially if you're brand new to politics. There's just a lot of uh, things to learn and, and figure out. You, you have to speak a certain way and and uh, just the nomenclature of everything involved. So it's 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 very uh, it's a lot of a lot of learning that has to take place. And uh, by the time you really understand what's going on, you're really uh, well into your first term. And then uh, it, 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 term limits, on the concept is very popular with, with my constituents. However, it gives a lot of power to the lobbyists and the, uh, the departments in the state. So um, they can, uh, they just know how to wait things out. Um, the bureaucrats have been there for 30 years. Absolutely. You've been there for two terms. Uh, by the time you even get to really know what you're doing, it's the second term, and they just wait you out. And, right. And, and um, as I mentioned when we were offline, this last election, uh, 2018, over one-third of the House representatives were brand new because of the term limits. And I think the Senate, there was 11 new senators out of 34. So... Um, they all have to learn the process and and all that, and it's uh, it is a challenge to do that and be effective. You guys rely on the rules of Robert, or oh, we we have our own uh, rules. Each yeah. chamber has their own set of rules, and it's uh, they're 
they're changed uh, mildly every every session. So, so uh, does that shift the balance of power towards the senior members then as well? Oh, pretty much, yeah. Because it, uh, um, you know, each class, you know, you elect your uh, your leaders and all that, and the speaker to, uh, the speaker will put uh, who they want in as chairs of each committee, and um, you know, a chairman has an incredible amount of power. Uh, if a chairman doesn't like a bill, it's pretty much dead. That's just the way it, it works. And it seemed like it it uh, devalued party loyalty. I, I mean, it seemed like, you know, when I was in Jefferson City in the early 90s, for example, uh, people, uh, legislators would work their way up to the system. And now it's like, I'm only here for so many years. Forget you, forget everybody else but me. I'm going to you know, buck the system and do what I want. Right. And, it, and it seems to have a disruptive, uh, for lack of a better word, disruptive influence on what's going on in the legislature. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of problems with it, but I, I think it's going to be very hard to change it, uh, to be honest. I had a, another friend, a judge who was a Democrat, who said his wife uh, embroidered or crocheted whatever a sampler on the wall that said the public trough is deep and wide. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to point out that uh, this came to mind uh, after attending a, a, a conversation uh, yesterday uh, that uh, the Kinder Institute and the Show Me Institute put together. Rex Singfeld invited me, and uh, we were talking about the uh, Constitution for the state of Missouri. It was a fascinating conversation uh, about how large our Constitution is and how easily it can be changed, uh, and what do you do with it? And I'll, I'll probably save this for a weekday show, but... Uh, it really is uh, problematic. Uh, our state constitution is way longer uh, than the uh, uh, federal constitution. And it's so easy to amend. And you don't want to take away that right from Missourians to you know, guide the state in, in the way they want. And at the same time, you don't want to make it so easy uh, that you load up this document with thousands and thousands of words. I think it's 85,000 words in our uh, state's constitution and every time uh, just to give you an example this is one of the things i learned yesterday if you want to change a rule on uh, the casinos you have to have an amendment to the constitution so uh, you know every time you change a rule there's an amendment because it's you know otherwise banned in the state of missouri right yeah it's a uh, it's a pretty thick book uh, a lot of stuff in there uh, you know and it gets uh uh, consistently more and more added to it uh, seems like every two years and to me that just makes government more cumbersome than you want it to be right yeah now at the risk of turning this into the weekday show um my uh observation is because americans don't have a framework uh, of understanding about what the government is supposed to do uh, and now it's, you know, the consensus is never going to be able to, to be had. Uh, but because they don't have that, that framework, you're never going to be able to get people to agree to simplify things. For instance, as a libertarian, I think the job of the government is simply to protect me from you and you from me. Uh, but there are people who think it should be providing health care and uh, college education and, and all these other things. And so... Uh, I don't ever see this getting cleaned up, but the state's constitution is big, it is arduous, uh, and I imagine it makes uh, the, the task for you when you're writing laws 
uh, quite a bit more difficult to... Well, right. And any time you have an amendment that passes, that just adds more to our Constitution. Uh, for example, uh, we have medical marijuana in our Constitution now. I don't know if that particularly uh, should be in there, but it is. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, there, there's some good things in our Constitution, though, no doubt. Like, uh, I think Missouri is very fortunate to have a requirement to balance our budget every year that uh, that keeps a lockdown on a lot of things that we shouldn't be spending money on. And and uh, so I think that's a very good thing. Uh, 874-9390, the toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Violent crime allegedly has dropped in 2018. FBI released their 2018 Crime in the United States report on Monday uh, that uh, compiles crime data from law enforcement agencies around the country. Uh, the news is good, it says, uh, and the positive data proved easy to consume. 2018 violent crime offenses decreased when compared with estimates from 2017. Robbery offenses fell 12, uh, 12%, excuse me, murder and... Uh, no negligent manslaughter offenses fell 6.2%. The estimated volume of aggravated assault offenses decreased by four-tenths of a percent. According to the report, violent crime rates hit a low point in 2014, marking the lowest point since 1970. Um, boy, what do you, uh, you know, anybody have any theories? First, do you believe the data? Do you believe that um, law enforcement agencies around the country are turning in accurate data? For the most part, I, I know occasionally, uh, for example, some years ago, the Columbia Police Department changed how they report shots fired, which is not, I don't think, considered a violent crime. But occasionally an agency will tweak how they report data. So it may fluctuate a, a small amount, but I absolutely don't think that's enough to change the national average. Would there be a reason for law enforcement <clears throat> to not give, uh, you know, the, the the right amounts of violent crime or things like that? Is there any advantage? Well, I, it's my perception. Law enforcement agencies absolutely want to report accurate data. There may be mayors or city councils that don't want their community to be seen as a dangerous place to live and work. Um, so there may be some friction between the law enforcement agency and the local mayor, the local council, what have you. But nevertheless, I, I'd be surprised to, to know that an agency was misreporting um, by, by much at all, really. I, Garson, do you think that this is tied to the John Lott uh, observation, more guns, less crime, that we have more people? We talked about this earlier. A lot more people getting concealed carry permits, a lot more people buying firearms. Uh, do you think there's a correlation or is that just coincidence? I, I'm not sure. I'd like to think there's a correlation between that. Um, in that article, it says there's now 16 million modern sporting rifles in the hands of law-abiding citizens. Um, so... The percentage of guns out there is going up at a steeper rate than the crime is falling. So it's it may not be tied together, um, but I'd, I'd like to think it helps. I don't know how it can't help, um, although there are some stubborn and baffling statistics out of, for instance, St. Louis yeah. uh, that that I find troublesome. In that, you know, as we, if we believe more guns, less crime. Uh, why, in a state where you can have concealed carry, um, even permitless carry, why the the crime rate in St. Louis continues to escalate? Uh, I, I think it's like you know somebody having a, a home a home alarm system. 
you know, if a burglar is going to go there to break in and they see that, they'll pass that one up and go on to an easier target. So, you know, maybe it's taking them longer to find targets uh, to commit crimes against. Maybe not. Or maybe, you know, since the economy is doing so well and unemployment is at a record high, some of these guys are actually record getting low. jobs. Record low. Record low. <laughs> record low. Sorry, record did low. I say hi? Yeah, you said hi. My, my apologies. Oh, you're just greeting us. Hi. <laughs> it's at a record low. Um, what do you think of the governor's uh, solution, Chuck, for that violent crime in St. Louis, to have the uh, highway patrol patrolling the highways uh, and and uh, freeing up law enforcement in the city of St. Louis to, you know, patrol the streets more? Well, I, I think it, uh, on the surface, it, it, time will tell, but I think overall it's a good thing. I think he's trying to address the problem. He's trying to work with uh, the Democrats in that area. And uh, so time will tell, but I uh, I like what uh, Governor Parson has uh, tried to do, and I'm sure we're going to be addressing a lot of these things when we get back into session in January. It'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. 874-9390, toll-free 800-529-5572. Uh, Dale, you look like you wanted to say something. Did I cut you off here? Would you? Well, I was just, it's funny to look at the, or interesting to look at the statistics when the ownership of modern sporting rifles is way up uh gun purchases you know minnesota up 57 percent concealed carry permits up by the millions violent crime down and yet there you know there are some people who continue to say guns are the problem and that just doesn't compute they just don't get it back to wrap it up gary on guns 93.9 eagle it is 53 minutes after the hour garson is in from graphs brought in two great rifles uh, you can look at the video at, uh, at uh, the Gary on Guns show, Gary on Guns on Facebook, uh, but uh, they will be available at Graf's, uh, well, when? Monday. Did I wake sorry. you? I'm sorry. I'm having a you moment. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that would have meant you'd have been brilliant. Uh, <laughs> Representative, State Representative Chuck Basie is with us. And, of course, we got Dale... Uh, on board from the CPOA. Right, so let me go grab a phone call or two here. Steve is on first. Welcome, Steve. Glad to have you on Gary and Guns. Good morning. Calling from Jefferson City. My question is almost too complicated for the time we have left, but have we reached peak concealed carry in many states, and is that why we're not seeing uh, anybody putting able to short-circuit any of these mass shootings like we had down in uh, El Paso? Hmm. So you, your your theory is that as many people, roughly, uh, uh, that want already yeah, are. Million. Yeah, we've not reached peak concealed carry saturation yet. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, there's new there's new people turning of legal age every day. Um, um, in fact, and people f- aging out. True. Um, I, but you know what? You're seeing this huge increase in women. Uh, which isn't age-related, it's just gender-related, uh, which would indicate that uh, more and more of them are coming to the conclusion that the, the great equalizer is a concealed carry. Well, that and I was going to say, uh, younger women are much more likely to carry than um, older women, um, just because they weren't around guns growing up. Um, they, it's just something they don't feel they need to do. But uh, my friend's daughter, she just became legal age and got her permit while she was back from college. And, you know, the Crime Prevention Research Center, their statistics show that in the last year, uh, concealed carry permit holders went up by 1.4 million people. So it appears 
you know, the numbers continuing to increase, a year from now, will we see that it plateaued? I, you know, yeah, you know, going to to your 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 point, Steve, about uh, whether or not uh, there's uh, some atrophying going on at the at the with the older people. You you wouldn't have. Well, maybe I'm wrong on this, but it seems to me that if uh, if that were the case, uh, those concealed carry permits would be, you know, kind of, uh, they wouldn't be renewed. Not being renewed. And, and so you yeah. wouldn't see the increase in the number. Uh, my, I guess it, my concern is that people in get their permit, but then they they don't continue to train and uh, and they don't. Uh, actually carry very often. It's not pants on, gun on. Uh, it's not a daily thing. And yeah. that's and kind that's, of a separate question from whether the yeah. number of permit holders is increasing. Um, and, and that's, you know, how many people have ever taken a refresher driver's ed course or anything Yeah, but else? you drive every day. You don't well, shoot every day. Okay, yeah. good point. So well, that, that doesn't seem to help some people, though. <laughs> Are you talking about shooting or the driving? The drivers. <laughs> good Lord. Yeah, it could be frustrating. All right, Steve, thank you for the call. Right. Take care. Glad to have you and Gary on guns. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, 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 if there's an increase in the actual numbers... Uh, then it's clearly offsetting the numbers of, of uh, you know, older people who are no longer getting their permits. And, it, it, and as for the state of Missouri, because we now can uh, carry without a permit, uh, even that skews the numbers right. probably in a very positive way. Well, in every state with a, with a permitless carrier constitutional carry system, yeah. I'm sure they all saw a decline once they went that way. Yeah, it, it, but there are some distinct advantages. Uh, I talked about this earlier in the program. I said even, even if you're not going to get the permit, take the class because you don't know the kind of trouble you can get into. You don't know the minutia involved in the law that, that uh, could get you tangled up. Uh, well, take the class so that you can... And hopefully someday we could have uh, an exemption to the NICS check with a, permit, with a concealed carry permit, which would be very nice. Are they doing a NICS check now on the re, uh, when you uh, uh, renew your permit? Well, I don't know if they're using NICS, but I'm sure they're using Mules, Mules system yeah. to yeah. do the background check. And in Is there a uniform law enforcement right. system? In terms of increasing number of people carrying, um, we, you, don't, you don't know how many people are carrying permitless, but we do see the increased number of NICS checks. So we know more and more people are buying firearms. That doesn't tell us they're carrying them, but that number continues to go up by a significant amount. And the one very important thing is uh, it's very, very rare, I think, uh, I, I hardly ever see it, that a CCW holder is committing crimes. Right. And uh, that's what drives me crazy is uh, the knee-jerk reaction. Every time there's one of these unfortunate incidents, they immediately want to come out and take uh, weapons away from legally law-abiding citizens. Yeah, right. Dale may cringe at this, but... Uh, it's my understanding that concealed carry permit holders violate fewer crimes than law enforcement. That's the statistic, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, you just can't get a... a, a More law-abiding group of people. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's because we recognize uh, just what could go wrong. Uh, everybody I know says, you know, when you put on a weapon, it's the heaviest thing you've ever carried, and it changes your 
your behavior. You, you begin to be more observant of your surroundings and more careful about the things you do and say. Yeah, uh, there was a guy in one of my uh, first CCW classes when I was at Target Masters, and um, I'd, I'd known him previously from bars, and once he got his permit, he stopped drinking, period. Just wow. stopped. Um, he's like, nope, uh, my desire to carry is greater than my desire to drink, and I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah, you can be, you can be absolutely right in everything you do and say the wrong thing and find yourself in trouble with the law. Take the class. Also, uh, and as a libertarian, I don't think I should need to take to get a permit, but I think having that concealed carry permit gives you an edge that you don't have otherwise. Guys, we're out of time. Thank you very much for being on board with us. Uh, those rifles, they're going to be available at Graffs. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby. I am coming home.